Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel for the final time in season 2018-19. It's the podcast dedicated to Scottish Cup runners-up Heart of Midlothian. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined for the last time this campaign by Mark Donaldson. Just freshly back from Scotland and this Final podcast of the season in a Sesame Street style is brought to you by the phrase what might have been and the other phrase it's the hope that kills you. <laughs> yes, the, the latter was certainly, I, I felt, um, uttered by many uh, before and after the game on Saturday, the 25th of May, which was my birthday, completely ruined by Heart of Midlothian. Of course, it, it wasn't really. It, it was a great day. Um, we will talk about the final, the weekend, um, everything that kind of went around it, a little bit about, I guess, the season itself and maybe what the future holds. Uh, Mark's going to do a little bit of looking ahead to the team and how it could look next season. And then, I guess, just a sign-off for the show uh, for the season. Um, we do have some feedback from the listeners and followers on Twitter that will go through just a reaction to the final itself. Uh, but let's get stuck into this, so the last hour or so of Scars Around the Funnel this season. So, Scottish Cup final 2019, Heart of Midlothian, as long as 10 to 1 against treble, treble chasers and heavy favourites, Celtic. So... It's uh, before we get to the game itself, Mark. It's really uh, I love these weekends, and we don't get them enough as heart supporters. But at the same time, because we don't get them that regularly, they do feel extra special. Um, now I know you flew over on was it between Thursday night and Friday morning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, it was a big trip for you, but many fans were travelling from far and wide. To, to come to the game. So um, a couple of friends of mine, my father, they came through and we stayed in Edinburgh, stayed in the town uh, for Friday night and Saturday night. So um, it was great and it was interesting. We actually met someone who listens to the show and I mentioned last time he emailed um, Christian Vallen who lives over in Norway. He came over for the show. So we actually met up on a Friday night, had, I'd say, a few beers. It was quite a few more than that um, and <laughs> bumped into him on Sunday as well. And this is a chap who uh, has no direct link with Heart of Midlothian, but saw us in the 80s in the UEFA Cup when we played Bayern Munich and took an interest and has followed him from afar since. And he came over and I, I love stories like that where someone just has this random interest in Heart of Midlothian. He was a really great guy, had a few beers with him, had a good laugh. He said he ended up falling over and just hugging a guy next to him because it just felt right when we scored in the final. And... Um, Weekends like this, I think, for Hearts fans and for fans of, we're not a provincial club, but for fans of the the lesser elite clubs, the smaller clubs when it comes to trophy wins, especially in Scotland, there's just something magical about them, I think. There is. And there was one thing about the weekend that, that really struck me. And that word was unity. Mm-hmm. Now, unity is something in life that we, we don't have, whether it's your political beliefs or, or whatever. Um, there's a clear divide in that. Uh, for sport, is the same. 
but even inside of, of one club, it's the same. Whether you are disagreeing with team selection or manager's choice, whether he should stay or whether he should go. And it gets tiresome, I have to say. Um, whatever it is, if it's sport, politics, or, or just for the sake of arguing, it's like a fractured country over here in the United States right now. And from time to time, you just need to get away from it. And to be with my mum and dad, to I stayed Friday night in Livingston at my brother-in-law's. Mum and dad picked me up. And when we first got onto the M8, this it might sound weird, but hey, I don't care. When we first got onto the M8, I saw a car um, that was already on the M8, having come from Edinburgh, with a heart scarf flying out the window. And I just kind of I was like, I didn't get all emotional, but I got butterflies. And that's kind of when it sunk in. Because it was a whirlwind trip for me, uh, coming over with uh, a surprise um, for my family and, and my wife's family. We brought my wife and my daughter over. They weren't at the game. They just got my credit card, unfortunately, and went to Livingston <laughs> as MacArthur Glen. But it was it was the scarf that got me. And that from, from then on, we were all in the same boat. We were all hoping for the same thing. We probably all didn't have any expectation or a few expectations. But as I said last week, we all thought we kind of had a puncher's, uh, a puncher's chance. Then at the game, when everybody was there, my mum and dad, I speak to them every week after the games, their season ticket holders. How was it? Oh, your dad didn't do this and the fans were at this and they were having a go at him and, and whatever. It was as close to unity as you're going to get. Because, the, I, honestly, I don't know how many times I looked at that. I was behind the goal, um, just to the left in the back row near the corner flag. So I had the... I was in a line of sight with a big um, scoreboard behind the Celtic end. I don't know how many times I looked at it. Certainly a hell of a lot more after we scored. But the longer it went on, you kind of thought to yourself, okay, right, I'll, I'll take this. There was a couple of scares. And funnily enough, those couple of scares came when we gave the ball away, especially Arno Jum um, was one of them. And that's when they looked dangerous. But there wasn't any of the kind of Pine Castle stuff that you get on a week-to-week basis. There was unity behind the players. The fans were in tandem. And from the scarfs twirling and from the flags that were on every seat being waved in the air before kickoff to the exultation when we scored, there was very little negativity. And that, for me, was refreshing, Laurie. It certainly was. What I would say is... um... I mean, I'd I'd been kind of full of that sort of blind blind optimism in the lead up and the morning of the game because we'd been out a bit later. I think I, f- I was feeling less optimistic just because it was a little bit worse for wear. Um, and then we got the team news. I have to say, we saw the team, and like, oh, that's that's bold. So he he, he threw sixteen year old Aaron Hickey in. And um, I t- Jimmy, Jimmy was he was he wasn't too happy. He was like, "What's I know, I know, you, I spoke to him before the game." Tell you, what's he? You know, that's you know, throwing the lad in there against Player of the Year James Forrest. Um, you know, that's a real, real sinker swim kind of moment for a guy who's who's of that age, you know, third senior appearance. Um, Ryan Edwards, uh, maybe less of a surprise. L- 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 Laurie, just, just before you talk, before you talk about Ryan Edwards, it wasn't just about Aaron Hickey and whether or not he can handle it. That's a gamble for the manager. That's mm-hmm. a brave yes. call. Yeah, well, we said that because like if if Aaron Hickey gets torn to shreds today, Levine is going to get torn to shreds even more so for putting him out there. Um, but fair play, I mean, I, I don't think it's a match that we can dissect 
too much in terms of we'll, we'll dissect I guess the three moments to the three goals, but from the first from the first minute basically, um, and certainly into the second half and throughout the game, Hearts completely nullified Celtic. Hundred um, percent. I mean, Craig Levine, as, as, as much as Craig Levine has rightly received a lot of criticism this season. Everything's spot on. I mean, it, just the way they pressed them, the way they caused them issues, the way they broke the game up where they needed to. And I thought, I thought he broke the game up really well in terms of there was phases where we just pressed them and pressed them and tried to grab some chances, and then we kind of or, we kind of reorganised a bit and let them play it around a bit, got our breath back, got our energy back, didn't let them really play out at us, kept a very organised. Every single player you could see them, they're all pointing, making sure that space was covered if they stepped out, and then we went again and we pressed them for a bit, and I, I thought throughout the game he did that so well, I mean, we'll go on to the other moments, you can't legislate, the manager really can't legislate for the way we lost the two goals in the end um, and it meant that when the moment happened in the second half, which by the way was brilliant someone said, oh god, your birthday as well I said, you know what those nine minutes were worth it. That was the best birthday ever for nine minutes. <laughs> when when Ryan Edwards scored, it actually felt like, it didn't just feel like, oh, we've nabbed a goal against Celtic. You know, we'll, we'll have to go and try and cling on and maybe get a, 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 lucky, a lucky break if we can hold on. But we felt like, Christ, we probably deserve this at this point. Whether or not we 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 deserved it, um, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think either side deserved to be ahead. You you can tell how good the game plan was by the fact there were two maybe three passages of play for the entire first half shown on on sports scene. I was able to watch that, download it, and watch it on the plane on the way back. And there was very little in the first half. And and for for the casual viewer who's not a fan of Hearts or Celtic at home, it was utter shite. The first half, but yes. for us, it was what it, it was what it had to be. We weren't there to make that a spectacle. If we were, we would have been beaten. So nullify is the correct word, and we make no apologies for doing that because that starting lineup against the Celtic starting lineup, there's, there should be no comparison. And with regards to with regards to Celtic, um, you, you're going to get those that say, "Ah, but, but they weren't very good." Yeah, but that that's just the mentality of of how you how you wish to look at something, um, in that. Were they as good as they, they have been during their treble, treble um, three campaigns? No, no, nowhere near. I mean, ultimately, they were still better than us because they had two things, um, quality and the ability to be clinical. And, and and that's what it was. They maybe had three shots on target in the whole game, if that. Two. There you go. They've, they've scored with both of them. <laughs> um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll get to the penalty. Um, I've, I've got no complaints. It's rash. It's funny, when you're behind the goal, and this is where I think we're privileged as commentators because we we get the best seat in the house, or one of them. First of all, when Hart scored, I thought it was Peter Haring because it was just a blur. Uh, just a, I just saw the kind of the long hair or the ponytail or, or, or whatever. Uh, nice back heel by Sean Clare. Mm-hmm. Uh, good goal, j- j- just a good goal. But the reason I think we're privileged is because it's right in front of us, the game. We, we have an equal view, or we should have, depending on our seat from, from either side. Hamden might be different. Well, Hamden is different from a lot of team, uh, a lot of stadiums. And it's the first time, as I said last week, I'd, I'd been behind the goal since Hagen's goal against Celtic in the league in, in 94-5. Um, the main stand at Hamden is great. The rest of it, Jesus. Uh, how that's a five-star stadium. Obviously, it's been <laughs> awarded that by people that don't have to go to the other three. 
but it is, you are a fair distance away. So I got the, I mean, even although it was at my end, our end, um, I wasn't caring. And, and there, was, there was probably about 45 seconds. You're talking about the best nine or 10 minutes of, of your life or certainly recently. That goal, and I, I went over on the proviso that A, I wasn't going to go first of all because the flight prices were too expensive. And then B, I thought to myself, I don't know how many more opportunities I'll get to go to a cup final with mum and dad because I've obviously been commentating on some. I've worked to others. So I wasn't there with them in 96, which was the first one I was there with my pals. Um, so 86 was the only time I'd been to a cup final with them uh, before the Hibs game in 2012. So I thought, you know what? This this means a lot to me. And those those 10 seconds or so that we scored, it was it was emotional. Don't get me wrong, because I don't know if I'll ever get that chance again. And to, to, to score first in a game you're not expected to win, just for, forget the rest of the game. That That was... Just to see the, the the joy and the exultation of everyone all around. It was you don't get that many moments outside of an Edinburgh derby where, where all goals are special. There was something about that goal. The equaliser was was of interest to me because for some reason I was I kept an eye on Bobby's Lamal throughout that move. And he stops and then he starts again. And then he commits. It's a penalty for me. The intent is there. Edward's been smart. Some people were saying, would VAR overturn that? No, they wouldn't, because it wasn't a clear and obvious error. There might be one angle that says, oh, he was on his way down. No. He comes out, and, and it is, it's rash. It is a penalty. And, and he should have saved it. That's the other thing. And, and we got done by two mistakes. But the whole behind-the-goal or miles away from it, uh, you, you see a different game. You really do. My mum and dad prefer to be behind the goal for their season tickets at Tyne Castle because that's the way they, they, they like everything in front of them and that's fine. I, I'd be interested. I mean, different people might have different preferences, but it's it's a very different game. Um, imagine having to commentate from behind the goal. I've done it once, I think, at Easter Road, but imagine... <laughs> I, 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 don't know if, I don't know if you got a better view or, or, or not. <laughs> not, not certainly not at Hamden certainly not at Hamden it's just interesting and you do see a different game and, and when I watched it back on sports you know, I thought oh okay I, I saw it but I didn't realise that was happening and just depth depth perception as well of balls that you think you, you, you get so excited that it's a chance and it turns out it's, it's out for a throw in but you thought yeah. when you saw it, it, it it's just strange but I'm, I'm really glad I went yeah, I mean, I'll, if we, I'll, I'll mention actually something about the the different angles from behind the goal and in terms of the second goal. In terms of the first one, yeah, I mean, the, the problem is there's, you could say there's three errors here from Zomal, two crucially, because apart from anything, Johnny Hayes isn't looking for um, Odson He's Edward not looking for Edward. Edward. It's a no terrible chance. pass because he looks and goes, puts his hands out and goes, oh, I thought, I can't remember who it was who was making a run. It's not Edward. And Zomal's going to get there first when he first moves and then he stops. And at that point, when he's stopped, he needs to go back to his line because he then can't get there first. Yeah, even even when he's he's touched the ball, Edward, and he's made the move, he doesn't need to go to no. ground. He can stay up on his feet. It's at that angle he's not going to score, and Berra's there as well. It's, he's going to be able to maybe cut it back or stop it and try and do something, but he's not going to directly score the angle he's running to. So at that point, I think he needs to go back on his line. He doesn't. He then comes out and commits. And when it happened, I thought Stonewall penalty. Absolutely, I was like, Stonewall penalty. I would have, no matter what you think about the final decision, when you've seen it again, 
you can't criticise Willie Collum there, who, by the way, I thought actually had a really good game for a cup final. I thought he yes. refereed it very well. Um, you can't, you, you cannot criticise the ref there because when I saw real time, I was like, you can't, you can't argue. And apart from Zlamal, no one does argue in a heart shirt. You don't see anyone else running up and screaming at the ref, heads in hand. It's just Zlamal, and he's made it easy. I think it's just rush. It's a, it's a mistake. And we, we made two mistakes and we were punished. I'm not sure I quite agree that... I think some refs would have overturned that with VAR because there is one angle where you see it's not even like there's... The only contact is when Edward really does stretch his boot out and stabs it just but, enough but to Laurie, actually... Laurie, there, there doesn't need to be contact. I know this that doesn't. It's the mistake know, that so many people make. It's like I he know. didn't touch him. Yeah, but if he impedes the run and the guy has to get out the way or... or it, it is a penalty and there there isn't enough there... For, for it to be overturned. No, I, I get what you're saying. It's the same argument people say there was contact so you can go down because equally there can be contact and not be a foul. There can be a foul without contact if someone is blocking off. Yeah, someone blocks. I, I get what you're saying. All I mean is I think it was it was very soft if you see it properly like that, but Zlamal makes it easy. There's no way the ref isn't given that. That's, the, that's, that's what we look at. Zlamal makes it easy. For for me, he's not. If we, if we want to be anything next season, we've got to be better than that. We have to have a better goal. He should save the that. penalty. That's the final thing. He it, should oh, save that, the penalty. That me. I thought that he had. You, see what I so, am. So did we. I thought so he was. Exactly. I thought he was saving it. There was a slight bit of excitement as he went there and got his hands out. I was like, he's saving that. And, and by the way, there was more than a slight bit of excitement behind the goal where the Hearts fans were because depending on the angle you had. You thought he had saved it. We mm-hmm. thought that he had saved it, and it quickly became apparent when we saw them all celebrating. But that's not good enough. You want to rectify your error, you, you save that penalty if you go the right way. To get both hands on it, and then it's like his, his wrists are, flo- are, are floppy. If you're going to go with your arms outstretched, keep those wrists strong. Keep the hands strong. And yeah. if, you, if you get there with both hands, you're saving that. And he's... It's not a good penalty. Uh, it's it's about it's not, two yards no, inside the post. No, it's not a good penalty, and it's it's annoying. It's, it's just it's restraining. It's, it's the what might have been mm-hmm. because they didn't play well, but we didn't make or we didn't allow them to play well. Um, I just think the the strangest thing from I'm not saying the whole season of Scottish football because my God, we've had some wacky ones about the pissed boy and on his back uh, <laughs> out of it as the Celtic bus goes by, having taken a a different turn because of a. A, a few safety issues. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just it's been a it's been a wacky season, um, and we we just we 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 go on we, we we go on. And then there was obviously the second goal, and um, this is where I was going to mention the angles because from where I am, you'll have you maybe have a slightly better view, although you're miles away of the space in the defence, because where I am, I'm obviously looking at it from the main stand up alongside the pitch, and when Lustig heads it forward, I don't see any danger. It looks like to me that Berra will get there, and in fact, I thought at our angle, both of us saw at our angle, Jimmy and myself thought, Berra pulled his, his foot away at first, like he'd stopped, he pulled away from going to it because he thought he was running all the way through, someone had maybe given him a shout. Um, obviously, when you see the replay, you see that he just couldn't get there because there was that gap in the defence. Edward goes through and scores. Now I don't know. I, I don't know who I'm who, who you blame here because you watch the line, and Smith and Suter are obviously about five yards behind Berra and Hickey. 
Um, Beres come to attack the ball initially, challenged for it. It's then been cleared by Edwards, and then Lustig just heads it clear. I mean, it's just a blind header up the park by Lustig. Some people I've I've read have said that it's more Suter's fault for being flat-footed behind Berra. But then a few people saying it was Berra's fault because he's moved too far up the park and left the gap in behind. I, I don't know. Have you, could you? Is it just a mix of the whole back line being out of sorts? Yeah. The biggest credit here has got to go to Edward. He's just gambled. He has taken a gamble. He's seen the header. The minute that header's made by Lustig, he's off and running. And that's very hard to, A, to catch him from a standing start. So you're not going to do that. So you're looking for someone who's in a more withdrawn position to try and match the run, of which there wasn't. So you can apportion the blame. And, and again, the subjectivity dictates that there's probably not a right answer because different people had different roles. And you can maybe think, well, he should have done that and he should have done that. The bottom line is that there shouldn't be that gap in the centre. Uh, but the credit has to go to Edward for, for, for taking a gamble. And, and there's the difference. There's a £9 million striker who, who's had a very few chances. He's not hit the best penalty, but he's scored. But then he's won the cup with, with a piece of, not brilliance, um, but a, a, a piece of ingenuity to the extent that you've got to take the gamble. You've got to be proactive at times. Nine times out of ten, that might not come off. But that one time that you make the run, it does come off. It's not going to finish. No problem with Bobby there. He's got no chance because it's a one-on-one and he takes it early. It's hard. It's, it, it, it is a defensive mistake. I'm not going to apportion exact specific blame, but it could have been dealt with better. Uh, Lustig getting the chance to head it forward as easily as he did. Um, you, you could even look at that aspect and say, well, if someone had challenged him, then it might not have happened. It happened and someone's feeling bad about it, but for who? Well, it depends on, on who you like more. I think the, the I think the 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 hard thing with, with it is Hearts were were so organised and had such good concentration throughout the entire game. You think when you're doing that, it's I think it's very hard to maintain that level of just organisation and concentration, especially from concentration is the key. Yeah, That's from a defensive key. point of, point of view. And the thing is, you usually expect there will be at least three or four lapses. Just natural, it'll happen, and you just hope when those lapses come that the chances are missed i think the problem was there were there were barely any lapses beyond the two goals it wasn't no. like there wasn't like there was a couple of big saves by zlamal or a couple of big misses by celtic there weren't any they had two chances and a celtic fan i know messaged me and said ultimately you made two errors and we scored two goals that was it correct there was clinical no, nothing else and against another team you know you, you play that well and have that level of concentration bar two occasions you're probably going to keep a clean sheet and you're probably going to win the game but against the best side in the country, and against, as you mentioned, a striker, it cost what four times, almost, well, almost four times what Ambudge paid for our club. You know, that's that is the difference sometimes. So yeah, um, disappointing. That's, that's the bottom line. And it's funny because before the game, I did say there's there's one scenario I don't want. I mean, I said the things I want, I want us either to get pumped, and it's easy to take it, but well, not easy to take it. it was like, well, we were never in it, whatever, or I want us to win. I said I don't want heartbreak. I don't want. Aberdeen-esque from two years ago where you know you have that hope and it's dashed because it's harder to take but, uh, but at the end I have to say I, I wasn't actually as gutted as I thought I would be I think I just felt more proud at how the team had played which is surprising because I am gutted and obviously I'm disappointed but not quite to the levels as I thought I would be given what yeah. happened well 
just before the final whistle went, and I think it was our last chance, we, we were aware of that. And that's an, an, another annoying thing when you're not in the media area for, for all fans, at Hamden especially. Anywhere that's kind of got a clock or a scoreboard yeah. <laughs> or a giant screen and it says 90, and that's it, it doesn't that have noise, the plus. It's annoying, yeah, it's annoying. So you, you've got no idea uh, how many minutes have been added. So it, there was a fair bit of time, and I think a ball had been punted in the box, and, and ultimately uh, Bigucci was clearly nowhere near fit. Willie Miller's got a bee in his bone about him, and I'll be interested to see how Uchi does next season, because Willie Miller says that the whole physical aspect is he, need, he needs to be a bit stronger and... Uh, and that's that's his viewpoint. And he had one or two kind of going up against him. I think I think if you know how to play him, I think managers will have sussed him out. I think he, he needs something a bit different next season, mm-hmm. uh, Uche, because right now I don't think it's too difficult to nullify him. Um, there was applause right at the, just before the end, just before the end of the five added minutes. Um, sustained applause from from Hearts fans. They knew it wasn't going to be their day, but each. Each person, to a man, woman, and child, was was on their feet, applauding, and proud, just just proud of what happened. What did we learn from the cup final that we didn't already know? Um, well, one other chance that, that when I saw it again, I was like, oh my god, that's a better chance than I thought it was. Peter Haring's header. Oh, he probably yeah. scores. Yeah, he probably scores that um, more often than not, or certainly hits the target. And, and in a game where you get very few chances, I mean, what, a, what an opportunity that was. What did we learn from the cup final? We learned we've got squad players who can um, maybe fill in or be part of the squad next season. I thought Ryan Edwards' energy was excellent. Stephen McLean's energy. And that, that's why he was picked. These aren't going to be starters for next season. I think we learned that Arnold Jume can go. I'm not fussed for him next season. I think he would just be in the way of a, a, an Anthony McDonald, an Andy Irvin, a Harry Cochran, um, and their progression. Um, I think we say thank you to, to Arnold Jume. Um, but I think the money that we would have to spend on his wages can be reinvested better uh, on others. Um, I think Jake Mulraney's had a decent end to the season. He's someone that can look to, to kick on um, for next season. Sean Clare's nice back heel, but again, doesn't do enough for me in a game that we aren't in control of. That's what I'd be wanting him to work on. I'd still have him in my team, and, and towards the end of this podcast, I'm going to give you a couple of teams that I've got for next season, and he certainly features in them, but I need more from him. Aaron Hickey's a huge bright spot. Um, for me, it's simple over the summer. You bulk up, you get your fitness right up to where it needs to be. This is an Andy Murray at Queen's Club when he first started out. He played Thomas Johansson. He was a better player even back then as a teenager than Thomas Johansson. Just didn't have it in him because he knew, he, he knew after that match and he said, I wasn't fit enough. So for Aaron Hickey over the summer, the ability's there. Um, he's got Garuccio out for 10 months, so or certainly till the end of the year. So it's between him and Bobby Burns for the starting jersey at left fullback uh, for me next season. So I'd have him bulk up. Um, I'd have him work, just purely work on his fitness. Um, go away on a holiday for a week or whatever, but fitness, fitness, fitness for Hickey because this is a kid that, that really could do something. Better? <laughs> Bera is a, a TBD because we need to see how he comes back with a full preseason. He, he came back too early. That's the, that's the type of leader he is. He wants to get back and he shouldn't have come back when he did. That's pretty evidence, evident because he's, he's not the player he was before his injury. Can we get that player back? Fingers crossed. I thought he was, uh, I thought he was really good in the final, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just talking about um, for, ahead, ahead of next season. 
just awareness. Christoph Bell is now at the stage where he might not have that extra yard, but he's got it in his head and he knows where to be. And I think that is, is, is vital. Now, does he start every week next season? Probably not, because I, I wouldn't want to, to, to kind of risk that we burn out a player. He's 34. He's able to manage his body. But I, I, I just think with, with him going forward, if, if he can come back the way he started this season before the, the early injury, then, then fine. Uh, Suter, yep, again, fine. Smith, fine. Um, Haring thought it was really good in the middle of the park and he probably shouldn't have played. He said it was going to be tougher on the first 15 minutes, especially. But I, I was, I mean, he nullified Rogic. Totally mm-hmm. nullified Rogic. Yeah, he was and, terrific. Yeah. Uh, Zlamal, not for me. So I think th- there's enough there. Th- th- there's enough going forward. But as Hearts fans will say, well, wait a minute, you've got the same players next season. What are you going to do? You've still got the same manager. I'll come up with one or two things towards the end of the show. I think I think we learned enough from the cup final um, that that going forward we can we can learn from. Okay, let's go through some of the messages we got um, about the cup final. Um, Amarusa lets it run. Says first time I've been emotional at a Hearts match in some time. In a weird way, that performance harked back to the always the bridesmaid days when I was growing up. 100% grit and passion, but just dropping short and with a fan base united behind the team. I'm not naive enough to think this will fix all concerns many fans have about the first team, but hope that this, but that and a good pre-season with four quality signings in midfield and forward departments would be a good start. So yeah, fair. four, yep, four fair. signings is what's highlighted by four signings. What's being highlighted by Craig Levine, whether that's all he would cite, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more than that. But Yeah, it's the areas more than the personnel. It's the areas that we need to strengthen. For me, we need a creative midfielder. We need a, a number 10. Could that number 10 be Naismith next season? If it is, well, that ticks that box. Um, do we need a, a right winger? I mean, again, Hearts are a team that tries to develop and then play the team, the players and then sell on the players. Callum Morrison started well, but then didn't kind of live up to the, the hope. Uh, he's got to work on his crossing. So where do you think those positions are? I think goalkeeper's one of them, but I don't think he will strengthen in goal because I think he'll stick with the two that he's got. Where would you say those positions are for the players that you think he needs? I would think central midfield in a creative sense. Um, depending on Harry Cochran, but I get the impression that Harry Cochran still isn't quite ready for playing week in, week out, um, physically anyway, like we're talking about. Um, is Anthony McDonald because he's creative, but again, is he up to a I, regular game? I, I I quite like Anthony McDonald coming from out wide, um, okay. but I just think we've maybe I think one of the key areas we may be missing is someone in the middle of the park who gets the ball and looks forward and plays passes. I thought Cochrane did it well at Easter Road, but I'm not sure that Craig Levine thinks he's ready yet. Maybe he will be by next season, I don't know, but when you look at Harry Cochrane, he is very obviously not bulking up much from, you know, he's he's getting he's getting older than when he first came in when he was 16, but he still looks the same slight kind of frame, so whether he'd be ready to play week in, week out, which is quite a demanding thing in the top flight of Scottish football, I don't know. Um, I think we need more out wide, 
I think Jake Mulraney has shown that even just finding someone with a bit of pace can be effective if you can maybe highlight areas that we could work on, like the final ball. But I certainly think we need something more out wide, and and we need something up front. That's, I, yeah. I think we need yeah. we need to me we need a goal scorer. I mean, Uche, even when fit, he's not. Unless he's not a 15 he, goal a season. Unless he drastically somehow improves his finishing, he's going to be someone that I think we can use to play off, and he can cause huge problems. He can be a massive player oh, for that, but he can be he can be the Sandy Clark, but we're missing a John Robertson. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, and even even in more recent times, even in Craig Levine times, one of my favourite partnerships was Mark De Vries and Andy Kirk off him. Andy Kirk, yeah. Because you know De Vries didn't have the pace, but he was strong and he could hold things up, and Kirk. Had the pace, and I thought Kirk was a good. He was a good penalty box striker for our level. Um, you know, he wasn't going to be creative. Uh, he wasn't going to score twenty five yarders, but he could nip. He could nip in. He could run in behind defenses off the shoulder. So I think we need to find a partnership like that because again, Stephen McLean is a useful option. He'll still be at the club, useful to bring on, useful for certain games. But again, yeah, we're, he's, he's we're, not, we're not getting it. No, no, he's not a starter. And and to be honest, David Vanacek, I, I don't. I think he. We. I think we'll try and offload him, but. Even if that wasn't the case, he's still not going to be that poacher, I don't think. He's going to be a target man to play off. I think we need someone with a bit of pace who can play off the shoulder. I think that would be key for us. I think that would be massive okay. if we could find someone. Do we already have that player? <laughs> the reason for that question is, where are we playing Stephen Naismith next season? Well, if, if Stephen Naismith is with us, which I think he will be, um, that's an interesting question. I think Stephen Naismith has too much more to his game to just play him as a, a poacher. But it really depends on our system and who else is there. I mean, I, I, my favourite position for Naismith is actually playing deeper than either the striker or strikers. A number 10 role. Whether we'd be bold enough in a lot of games to have a number 10 and two out-and-out strikers, I don't know. Um I've got the perfect formation, by the way, for that. Okay. Well, let's look. Well, okay, we're going to go to that at the end. Let's not get bogged down with it too much right now. We'll go through some more messages, and we can we can discuss that with your teams. Um, HMFC France says frustrated with the game because we should have played like that for the whole season, and we would have finished higher. Uh, we have the talent to be on the podium and win big games. Right. I'm going to disagree with that. I'm, yeah. I'm going to disagree with that because we couldn't have played like that all season. No. Because the, I mean, this this is where. Going right back to the start, talking about unity and, and patience. If that was Tyne Castle, all the balls back to Bobby Slamar would have, would have been booing and jeering from the rafters. That was a specific game plan for that game against Celtic. Um, if I'm going to be critical, and I think we have to be, uh, because we didn't win a game, irrespective of, of whether or not we were expected to win it, we didn't have enough players showing for it. In that first half, I don't think we had enough players that were brave enough to come show, to try things. Uh, And I I get the whole, this isn't a game for for taking a chance and and trying things. But we didn't have, behind the goal was was a perfect example high up to see a lack of mobility and a lack of movement. There were a lot of times when Christoph had it and other players had it, Haring had it in the middle of the park. The only option was if it was Haring back to Christoph or if it was Christoph back to Bobby's Lamal, because it's not Stephen McLean's type of game, because he would he would burn himself out if he was to do that. Um, I didn't see enough movement from um, 
Jake Mulraney or, or Sean Clare playing in their respective positions to, to want the ball. So I think if we were to play like that on a weekly basis, I don't think we'd be much better off than where we ended up. And ultimately, for the majority of Hearts fans, that wouldn't be good enough. I think um, one of the one of the issues um, with Craig Levine and, as, and the team this season has not been necessarily the big games. That's not to say we've had we've had very poor performances in a lot of the big games as well. But I think the main issue, certainly for me, has been at home against teams that we have we have needed to dominate play and needed to create things. It's not been. The Celtic games, um, even the derbies to an extent, it's been those games at home to St Mirren and Dundee, um, even the even the middle table team, or even a Kilmarnock or such, where they've been happier to let us have the ball and play as maybe as we played against Celtic in the final. That's where the big problem to me is that there's been never been any change and it's been far too poor, regardless of of injuries or, or other circumstances. So, yeah, I, I get what you're saying with that. I think there's there's been issues this season and it's not necessarily been how we've, you know, how we've done in a game like that because Craig Levine, did, we've beaten Celtic um, in the league, which even doing it once in a season is better than we've often done and, and we've probably at least matched them, maybe edged a final in terms of the balance of play and we've, we've lost in the end, which... You can't really criticise him for that one. So, yeah, a tricky a, a tricky one to look at because they're completely different games throughout a season. Um, going through a, quick more, a few more messages, uh, Christian Vallon uh, tweeted saying, travelled over alone from Norway and made so many new friends. You were also friendly. Thank you, Jambos. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Christian, for coming over and for choosing hearts despite um, being based in Larvik in Norway. So, yeah, he met up with quite a few fans and... He's looking forward to the next one, so thank you, Christian. Um, Anne, Anne Waddle says, could never believe uh, leaving so happy after being beat. The boys did us proud, and the atmosphere was second to none. Um, go through a few more. Um, Ian White says, gutted, but Hearts put a performance that scared Celtic and got the fans back on Levine's side again, as many feared the worst. I never thought I'd enjoy defeat as much and was proud to be a jambo afterwards. Uh, I met the chairman of Stranraer afterwards who thought Hearts were robbed. He was also really impressed by Hearts' play and taking the game to Celtic and the atmosphere generated by the Hearts fans. Overall, though, we can't be satisfied by one game. We have to play more attack-minded and use what is a good squad rather than play predictable, poor hoofball. I'd like to do a poll. Uh, it's not possible because you'd have to have every Hearts fan uh, involved. Just to see if Saturday's performance has, has changed the way that they would vote on whether they would want Craig Levine at Hearts next season. What do you think? I think it will have changed slightly in his favour just pre and post Saturday. I, I mean, see, my thoughts on I mean, before the game, I would have said, and I did say this, I think my feeling would be that the best option, if you had to choose one, would be that Craig Levine left at the end of the season, regardless of whether we played terribly and lost in the final, whether we played brilliantly and lost in the final, or whether we won the final. Um, I have a feeling that if we'd played terribly in the final and it was an absolute embarrassment, there's a chance that maybe a change would have had to happen. 
just if if the pressure got that great because I think a terrible final performance, terrible result, it might have just got too much. You could have got almost an entire the entire heart support, you know, at least the vast majority, completely against the manager. If we'd played absolutely brilliantly and won the final, I don't know if he might have just thought, what better way to end it? But to actually play pretty well in the final and come that close, I think it was always going to be... As soon as the game had finished and I thought about it, it's like there's absolutely no danger he's going to go after that because it's it's a taste of being very close and seeing what of course, could happen. Yes. He wants to um, win, a, win a trophy. If you, if, if, if you gave the decision to me right now, I would still say my call would be let him go. Okay. But, but I don't think he will. And I think... I'm I'm of the opinion now that I think he'll be in charge next season. I really hope he does turn it around. And I almost don't know if I want to even debate it more than this. I, you know, after, you know, when we get into the summer and signings are being made and we're getting to the start of the season, yeah, if he's going to be in charge, he's going to be in charge. And I think we just have to deal with it and hope and you know, and get behind the team. You know, if after if we have you know a Betfred Cup, a Betfred Group campaign like we did on the Cathro, then yeah. You know, things will change very quickly, but I don't think it's going to be productive to keep revisiting the Craigslist subject. Kiki, kiki, kiki. Okay, um, I had to think about this. Mm-hmm. I'd be staggered if Levine is anywhere but the technical area mm-hmm. as Hearts head coach in the first competitive fixture of the new season. Yeah, and I am giving him my backing. Um, Got to, yeah. I, I, I think he, I think he should stay on, but with a, an asterisk, with a Jeff Stelling Skybet asterisk beside <laughs> it. That asterisk is is basically a shorter leash. Well, gamble is possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you might have to be faced with a gamble irresponsibly, depending on what what's going on. I just think that he needs to be on a shorter leash with the proviso that if we get more of the same, you're done for. That We have to see improvement. now. So what would improvement be? Because you can't take improvement year on year because once we get to October, there's no chance or very little chance that Hearts are going to be anywhere near what they did between August and October in in last season or the season just gone. So I, I think... There'll be too much upheaval required if we were to get rid of Craig. There's there's no one, and, and call me a hypocrite if you like, because we've said various things as the season's gone on, whether we want him to stay or whether we don't. But the one thing that I've been I've, I've been pretty much stuck by throughout is is patience. Let's let's have this conversation at the end of the season. Let's not have it before a cup semi final or a cup a cup final or whatever. So so we can have it now. Um, are there better men for the job? Of course, there's better men for any job in world football, mm-hmm. maybe with the exception of Spurs, Liverpool and Manchester City right now, because those are the three best managers uh, in the world that those clubs have. But this is a guy who is desperate for success at heart. That takes a big box. He's also a guy who can be stubborn. I, I get that. I'm not trying to make excuses in that he's he's not had his problems to seek this season because he should he should still have done a lot better with what he had and you can use the injuries and Hearts best player out for long spells but we'll get him back next season 
and we'll build the team around him. And I think we will see improvement. I just think if if you get rid of Craig Levine, there is you, you might have to take a gamble. I mean, Hebs have, have kind of gone down the lesser known um, route over recent years. Uh, we, is someone like Robbo working for Craig Levine? Would would that work? I mean, I spoke to Neil McCann on on Saturday in the media centre, um, and I hadn't seen Neil since we used to work together at Sky. I said, "What was that about the Hearts thing?" He goes, "Well, it's." It was news to me because he's looking at the Livingston job right now. I'm not speaking out of turn. Um, he'd be looking at the Livingston job if if um, if the Livingston manager Gary Paul went yeah, to Kelly. Yeah. If, so that's what he's kind of looking at right now. So I don't think someone like Neil McCann would would be an improvement. Um, would, would Robbo? I mean, again, Robbo and Lavina's director of football. It's to, to all extent, intents and purposes, it's pretty much more of the same. I just think we keep them for now um, and, and we, we see where it goes. And I get that the Hearts fans are split, but this is where Hearts fans have got a big part to play. Because if your only reason for not extending or renewing or buying a season ticket is that Craig Levine is, is, is the manager, then I, I, hands up, you're, you're perfectly entitled to that. Uh, if that's not what you want. But just try and keep your expectations in check here. Because we've got far more of a chance of doing something next season with 15,000, 16,000 Hearts fans every game making a hell of a racket and getting, as Scott Wilson says, right behind the team. Whereas if we've got fans that pick and choose their game, which they're perfectly entitled to do, if I'd watched some of the games, and even if I was a season ticket holder towards the end of the season, I'd be like... I'll go, but I'm not really happy at going. I get that. There has to be an improvement. But please, just if you're kind of, I'm not sure if Levine stays, I'll probably not renew. Come on. just Craig Levine is not the football club. You're there to support the football club. You're there to support all the fans around you. You're there to support all the players that are on the pitch. If you can, and you can afford to, and you're humming and hawing, well, if it's Levine, I'm not going to. Just do it. Just do it. Because... I'm pretty convinced if things continue the way that they are with the poor performances that we saw towards the end of the season, you'll not be there for the entirety of the season. So you, you pretty much not got that guarantee, but I'd like to think you, you would know that if things didn't improve, that there would be a change. But don't expect there to be a change right now. And for me, I don't think there should be. OK, we are going to move on. We will go with Mark's team stuff because otherwise we will be here all evening and there's a Europa League final tonight and I've got to make dinner and stuff. We know it's different oh, time zones yeah. Mark. It's it's getting to dinner time here. Oh, so it is. It's 11.49 <laughs> a baseball show tonight. My digital hits have been cancelled because of the Liverpool Spurs ah, final okay. Um, okay. and there's obviously the Europa League final later. Uh, just before we get to my team, I've got some good news okay. from a Hearts perspective. Shoot. The wages to turnover ratios have been revealed. Oh, yes, um, I saw that, yeah. And Hearts, from 121% when Romanov was in charge, which was totally unsustainable, are now at 579 which for any business is a healthy figure and you can plan accordingly. So they're less than half of what they were when Romanov was at the helm. So that's some good news. Did I read, sorry, this is not Hearts related, but did I read that 
Birmingham were more than 200%. Oh, wow. Really? I think, I'm sure, I only saw this in a snippet earlier, and I saw the Hearts ones, and it's um, good news. I mean, the Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen were all, I think, fairly similar sort of levels, which shows that they're all being managed uh, very well these days. Um, I think it was only Rangers and Dundee that were above the 70% mark, wasn't it? Dundee United would be the one I would be interested in. Yeah. Because yeah. that's another season in the championship, and and they did spend a fair bit of cash, or certainly on wages, on players that came in in January. Um, yeah, Birmingham was 202%, uh, which is incredible. No wonder they're in, a, they're in a mess. But Dundee United would be a would be an interesting one for me. But thankfully, all good from a Hearts perspective. So thanks for some positive news there, Mark. And now you're going to give me your potential Hearts team for next season, yeah? Well, in an ideal world, I've got a couple. But the, the, the one I like most is based on Atalanta. Okay. Giampiero Gasparini uh, is, is, is a veteran coach. He's had a really good season with Atalanta, and he's got them into the Champions League. Now, he's failed before. He went to Inter, and he only, he only lasted a, a, a few games. But he's found a style of play that suits the players that he has. And I, I kind of put that style and that formation into the players that we have at Hearts. And I, I didn't get excited. I just thought, you know what? That would work. Now, he plays a 3-4-1-2. He's got two very attacking wing-backs. He's got Papu Gomez, who's a real magician, an Argentine magician who plays as the number 10 and behind two strikers. But the key to his success and that's what makes them so entertaining to watch because they were the best team I commentated on by miles because they were always involved in games with goals. None of this catenacho bollocks of the nil-nils back in the, <laughs> back in the day. What he does with these three centre-backs, at any one stage when they're in possession, he allows one centre-back to go forward to join the other six outfield players. Now, a lot of the time it's Mancini, um, who's had a really good season and he's been a threat from set pieces, but he's also scored from open play. The two wingbacks, uh, Castagna on one side, um, who Celtic were interested as a right back in January, and he's been playing at left wing back, and either Gosens or Hatteboer, the German and the Dutchman, on the right-hand side. When one goes forward, the other just sits back a little. They don't go gung-ho all the time. But the whole secret of having both your wing-backs, in essence, playing as wide midfielders, with the addition of a, another centre-back, so two sit, one comes forward, a ball-playing centre-back, who in this case is going to be our, our John Souter. It just, you, you, you're taking more of a gamble, but you're trusting the two centre-backs you're leaving behind. Now, a lot of the time, they left themselves with two-on-two two at the back, but he had trust in his two centre-backs that they could do the job. And then the rest of the players would, would come back. The cavalry would arrive defensively to try and help out. So after all that BS, here's the team. New goalkeeper to start with. That's one I think we really need to strengthen. Back three of Halkett, Berra, and Suter, who's my guy who's allowed to go forward. He's our Mancini. Michael Smith, is your right-sided wing-back or right midfielder. And then either Mulraney or Burns or Hickey or Garuccio, depending on the game or the opposition, is your left side. You're forgetting ha someone. What am I, who am I forgetting? The person who I think might be seen as our left-back first choice at 
one point next season. Lee Wallace? <laughs> no, someone who's already <laughs> there. Uh, probably a blank. Tell me. A.D. White. Again, yeah, fine. I, I need to see something from him first. I mean, if he can get back fully fit after all the injury hell he's been through, yeah, I think that is one position that next season that I don't think we need to bring someone in. Because if, if White's available, Ormo Rainey or Barnes or Hickey, or maybe White could play in another position. Mm-hmm. But there, there's a four. The one thing I would say in here, if Charlie Adams available, I would take him and I'd play him inside with, with Haring. Uh, if he's not, then I'm happy to go with Cochrane or McDonald or, or Irving or, or whoever in there. But Suter, Halkett, Berra, Smith, Haring, Cochrane, and then whoever's on the left. Naismith's my Papu Gomez. My number 10, my guy that will come short and pick it up from players, my creative player, my guy who will get goals. He plays that role perfectly. And I'm going to have, now, this is where I hummed and hawed. Uche is up there, but he needs someone. I'm no longer having him as a lone striker Mm -hmm. because it's not going to work because he can't guarantee the service. So, speaking of short leashes with Craig Levine, I'm going to put Sean Clare up there. I'm going to have Sean Clare as the, the partner. I'm going to have Claire as my Kirk to Uche's De Vries. <laughs> I don't know if it'll work. I don't know if it'll work. But what it does by putting him up there, he doesn't have to track back as much. He's got ability. He's got that je ne sais quoi. Right? He's, he's got that X factor. He's got that ability in a crowded penalty box to still manage a back heel, which irrespective of how well it was carried out, it was still smart to find Ryan Edwards in a cup final. So he's not going to be a 20-goal-a-season striker, but I just think with a little bit of freedom, it might work for Sean Clare up there. So they're based on the Atalanta model. The other kind of... The other couple I had... I actually had Suter as a defensive midfielder. I was speaking to someone at Hamden on Saturday, and they think his best position going forward will not be as a centre-back. It'll be as a give-me-the-ball-and-I'll-distribute-it as a defensive midfielder. So I had Smith, Halkett, Berra, and left-back choose... Suter and Haring, Claire, Naismith, Mulraney, and then Uche. And the only other one I did was a four again. Smith, Suter, Halkett, and left-back, so I'm not playing better in there. Haring and Cochrane alongside him. Naismith as a one in behind Claire on the right, Mulraney on the left, and Uche. I think we could strengthen if need be. I think wide uh, could be an issue. Um, but I think we could get a striker in there if not. But there's, there's some options. My preference would be the 3-4-1-2 to try a little bit. But the bottom line is, I think we need a goalkeeper. I, I would agree with that. Um, I think Bobby is a better shot stopper than Colin Doyle. Uh, but I think Bobby is always going to be suspect moments like the cup final, moments like the Livingston game. Not so much this. See, the spilled shot in the Celtic semi doesn't worry me. It's his, It's the rash moments of rushing out and doing just... You know, against Livingston, we just kept running out and gave away a penalty and ran out and made it easy for a couple of goals. And he obviously ran out and gave away the penalty on, on Saturday. I think he's always going to have those moments. Um, I think Colin Doyle is less likely to have those brain farts, for want of a better word. But I don't think he's as good a shot-stopping goalkeeper as Bobby. So you've got two goalkeepers, one a kind of steady old hand who isn't going to pull off big saves and one who might pull off a few big saves but he's likely to have a nightmare every few games or at least every once in a while so I agree um, I think we do the problem is they're both contracted so unless we find someone to take at least one of them off our hands I can't see us being able to invest in a goalkeeper 
No, so. and it's not the be it's not the be all and end all. If it if it is Bobby and goal, then I, then fine, I'm 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 fine with that. I just I I think next season, um, when everyone's back and available, I think there are far fewer excuses available to to the manager if he doesn't get things right. But if everyone is available, I'm hopeful that that he can get get things right and uh, fans that are humming and hawing, never mind over buying season tickets, just about going to the game on a Saturday can decide, you know what, yeah I'll go today, I'll go today and fingers crossed they get something that they're uh, they're happy with because it's got to have to be better than what we've seen. I can, I can see what you've, you've put there working for certain games, I don't think we could or would play that every week um... No, which, which Atalanta did and do and I don't think we, we, we could with that. I, I, I think there's... I mean, that, but that's the thing. You've got to be flexible as well. Not to the extent we chop and change, because what was it a few couple months ago? We, we looked back, there wasn't one clean sheet, uh, not one clean sheet, there wasn't one uh, unchanged lineup consecutively since, I think, July. I mean, we need to have some semblance of a structure, don't we? There's a lot of ifs ifs, buts and maybes here. I mean, back three, I don't think we've always looked as comfortable with the back three as we have with the back four, given our current players. Um, I guess what you're giving me there is pretty much relying on Halkett Berasuter always being available. Otherwise, I mean, you're, yeah, you're throwing someone else in there, whereas I think possibly we'll be working to a long-term Halkett and Suter partnership. Um, Has to be. So, I would probably rather a back four. Um, I quite like the four-two-three-one when we've played that. Um, but the issue, I think, the main issue is always going to be the final third up front because if you play Uchi as the one, you have to have a Naismith as maybe the centre point of that three. So they got someone running in behind them, um, maybe even clear. So it almost becomes a, a kind of what a four a four-two-two-two. Um, when we're in attack, but I, I can see where you're coming from. I, I think it kind of highlights the main areas that we need, though. I think someone in attack, someone to play off Uche, because even if you're going to give Claire a shot there, you can't have that as your only option. Um, so I think someone in attack and someone in the middle, a creative driving force in the middle. I think that's maybe key areas. I, I think the goalkeeper would be a key area, but uh, yeah, I think because of circumstance, we probably won't see it happen. I'd take a chance. I, I, I'd make I'd make at least I'd make three signings. Okay? I'd sign a goalkeeper and I don't know which one. Um, but I'd sign a goalkeeper. The other two that I would sign would be Charlie Adam and Lawrence Shankland. And to add to Craig Halkett, I think there's your four. Can Shankland do it in the top flight? I don't know, but I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him try, and I think that that would that would help uh, Uchi. It's a very, it's a very Craig Levine sort of signing, really. Um, I would say. I mean, you know, finding a player like that who you take a chance on to to do it in the top flight. I mean, look, look Andy Webster was playing third tier Scottish football for most of the time before he played Hearts. I think Garbroth had been in the Championship as well, but he hadn't played an awful lot, and very quickly as a teenager became key player so I I don't see why not um, it'll be interesting anyway yeah the, the one thing I would say about 
that being a, a Craig Levine type player. I remember being in Malta. I had a good chat with Craig Levine uh, during the training session the night before. We were due to face Birkar Kara. And we were talking about, just off the record, just him, I, and a couple of others about potential players. He's well aware of what's going on in the lower leagues. Now, I might be wrong, but I'm sure the guy around that time we were talking about was Faisal El Bakhtawi. Mm-hmm. Might, might well have been, yeah. He was at Dunfermline, okay, and he was, he was kind of 23, 22, 23. And I said, what do you think of him? Because he's, he was clearly scoring loads of goals. And um, he's like, I like him, but I don't think he's good enough for the Premier the, the Premier League. Um, and we, we talked about why and, and whatever. And obviously he didn't sign him. And he, he, went to, uh, he went to Dundee after that and... I think, to be honest, Craig Levine was spot on there because he didn't have a good season. It's third, uh, third tier as well that he was that he was at he was, when he was, he was bagging he was the goals. League in. One. Yeah, yeah, he was League One. Um, Shankland has been banging him in in the Championship. Now, if you're telling me there's a huge gap between the Championship and the lower end of of well, the bottom six, basically, then I would I would heartily disagree. I think I think we saw with Dundee United and St Mirren in the playoffs. There's very little between the top end of the championship and the bottom end of the, the premiership. Um, some players are better in better teams. Others are better when they're the main man, whether it's Stephen Dobby at Queen of the South or, or whatever. I mean, he, he's been a great player, but obviously weight's been an issue for him. and he, Maybe he's better being a big fish in a small pond. Shanklin, we won't know. No one knows if it would work. But I think there's enough there. We're not going up two divisions like we would have been with El Bakhtai, which Craig Levine got spot on. I think with Shanklin, there's there's enough there. Depends what they want, what Air want for him. Um, did they not turn down a bid for him in January because he they wanted to keep him? They thought it was better keeping him and losing money for him in the summer than... Yeah, that, yeah, because they they felt they had a chance of, of promotion. Um, is is his contract either not up or has he got a year left? Let's have a look. Um, because I think he's he's certainly someone that. What have we got? Yeah, he's he's out of contract. So, I mean, he's got to be worth a gamble, is he not? Maybe this the the summer will will tell us what will happen. Okay, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the team. Um, Hearts will start the competitive season on the 13th of July, or the 14th, with that weekend, it should be anyway, in the Betfred Cup group stage, um, as they face off against Dundee United, East Fife, Stenersmere, and Cowdenbeath. So, interestingly, we'll have a... Well, I, I assume we'll have a Robbie Nielsen versus Craig Levine, um, unless Dundee United um, make some changes and their management. But um, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, when when are we going to be back then, Mark? End of July, start of August. End of July. No no better Fred Cup stuff. Oh, when does that start? I just told you. I know, I know. 13th, 14th of July. Thank you, you did tell me. And I was... <laughs> 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 that, that's, that's like being in, in a marriage. 
yes, dear. What did I just say? <laughs> I don't know, but I was just agreeing with you. Uh, that's that's classy. If, it, if ever one comment summed us up for the season that we've just had, it, it was that. End of July. I've just told you it starts the 13th of July. That's what I said. We'll, we'll, we'll be back at the beginning of July. You don't listen to me. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll arrange something before then. If you keep an eye on the um, Twitter page, which is oh. at... Are you going to say something? No? I am once you're finished. Okay. Um, keep an eye on the Twitter page and uh, we will give news of uh, when we will be back. That's at Around the Funnel. Give us a follow. I'll probably have to redo the World Cup of Strips because my apologies. That one completely fell by the wayside. Um, despite Mark actually putting in more work um, than anything He's else ever done. done in the podcast or, or maybe ever. So apologies for forgetting about that one in the last few weeks. Um, and thanks to everyone for tuning in, I guess, and giving us feedback. Um, one thing I'm going to do in the summer, this is going to be your kind of homework, unless Mark was going to think of something. Are um, we getting a Bosman signing? A Bosman signing? Yeah, yeah. we're having a third. Have you, have you got someone who's out of contract that wants <laughs> to join the team? <laughs> Not at the moment, but, okay. but what, what I was going to say is I will put... Uh, a survey out which i will tweet the details of just to get feedback on what you thought of the podcast what you thought was good what you thought was shite um what you change uh, if you want to get rid of me or get rid of mark or any, <laughs> or any suggestions I, th- I thought it may be useful just to find out what people thought and what worked what didn't work and things you might want to get added or taken away stuff like that um so i was gonna I th- I think i think it's been a, a worthwhile exit i've enjoyed doing it uh, i've really enjoyed your company um, well, thank, so thank you, you I've, for I've enjoyed th- you. Thank you for too. all the hard. Thank you, thank you for all the hard work that you do. <laughs> I just sit in my bed and talk shite for an hour, uh, usually butting in without apologising. So it's like a um, marriage, is it? I know. I just keep quiet and agree. It's safer that way. <laughs> um, I know you put a lot of work into all the editing and whatever. I'm old. I can't do all that stuff. I'll just, I'll provide you with with the answers to the questions that you ask. So thank you for all your. Your hard work that goes into putting uh, putting this together. It's quite all right. You you make it sound like you're kind of decrepit and oh I can't sit and move that mouse around and drag and paste. It was when it was when the iPhone 10 came out and I've got one and that was when I first thought, shit, I don't know. I'm, I'm still like <laughs> I, I, people talking about graphic designing and everything like that. The only way I can edit is going into a photo on iPhone and pressing an edit and drawing a yellow circle around someone's head to identify them. <laughs> I'm still, I'm, I'm getting there, but I've, I've really enjoyed doing this and I've maybe been a little bit of a hypocrite when it comes to changing my mind from time to time, but, but Hey, we're, we're allowed to do that. And the bottom line is it's, it's all about hearts. And I know there's a couple of other podcasts out there, which are, which are very good, but um, I think because we do it on a weekly basis, um, hopefully you, you've enjoyed it. So Thank you all for doing that, and uh, I will hopefully be back in July if I'm invited again. Yeah, one message I will read through quickly. Simon Withers uh, mentioned about the cup final, said, when the goal went in, and for the next eight minutes, I've never felt euphoria and heard a noise from a heart's good like it. The moment is what made everything worthwhile, and when you're a jambo, that's what it's all about. When Celtic win trophy after trophy, it means hee-haw, when we get back to winning one, all these battle scars will have been worth it and we'll ce- celebrate like it's 2012. Proudest punch in my team. And it's one thing that I, I did have that feeling and we were talking about after the game that for Celtic, it's it's not numb completely. They obviously enjoy it, but 
winning trophy after trophy, winning the league, winning the cup, it means so little to them. And Just to, another to, day, isn't it? To Rangers to an extent as well, less so these days, but Rangers have had that. For Hearts and for, you know, as much, and for Aberdeen and for Hibs and for Dundee United and all these teams, those weekends are incredible. Like that weekend was incredible, even we didn't win. Um, so looking forward to getting back there and hopefully having that triumph. And, you know, I'm almost... I'm just proud that it's Hearts that we support because it just it's not the same. I mean, we've seen the Celtic, you know, celebrations or so-called celebrations of winning with treble, treble next season. It'll be the quadruple treble. Yeah, I'm sure that would mean anything like it did for Hearts in 2012 or for Hibs in 2016 or, or Aberdeen in the League Cup in 2014. It didn't. So when we get back there, I think it's going to be just as good and hopefully we can talk about it on the podcast next season because there's a cup final still to come this year December 2019 there's another cup final to go for indeed you're going to be and over I'm for it gonna... <laughs> I'm not coming over again I'm done <laughs> and unless we reach no I don't do league cup finals um, because we lose to St Mirren this, this whole season to, to wrap up for, for us is, has been about various things but tangents <laughs> I mean, something that we have gone off. Earlier in the show, um, this is the ultimate Billy Conley. Oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I remember. That's what it was. It's the final for... tangent. This is the final tangent. <laughs> so we're, we're going to start with... Uh, the, the, I don't know. The, the, you can choose. I was thinking the final countdown, but we've already done that. Earlier in the show, I was talking about wacky moments in Scottish football. And I went off on a tangent, and I was talking, as I usually do, rubbish about something. But I never got to where I was going to say it. I, I remember saying something along the lines of, it's just another piece of a wacky... It's not the most wackiest thing that's happened in Scottish football this year, but it's certainly up there. But I never mentioned what it was. And I kind of mumbled my way through. I was like, yes, well, and that's great. Yes, wonderful. And then you picked up, and we went on, and it made no sense whatsoever. But here's the tangent. The wacky thing was, at a 40th party on Saturday night in Edinburgh, the happiest people there were Rangers supporters. On the day that the treble treble was clinched, they were over the moon that Neil Lennon had got the Celtic job. How will that pan out? No one knows. That's why we support football teams. How will Hearts get on next season? Who will be in the dugout? Probably Craig Levine, but no one knows. But we're going to do it all again, probably at the start of July, and I look forward to that one. So there's my final tangent to, to wrap that up. And I'm going to end, as I started this show, talking about unity. We did, at the start, talk about those 90 minutes at Hamden where every Hearts fan was on the same page. It's not going to happen again for a while, but if we can all push in the same direction, if you can, get your season tickets bought and let's make Tynecastle a fortress for next season. Because for all of us that can't go to the games on a Saturday because we are elsewhere, you can be our voices. So if you're humming and hawing about whether or not you should renew or buy a season ticket forget who's involved for a second just go and support your team for us and a plus for the homework from last week because everyone was brilliant in the heart set oh. on saturday so that's probably the, the probably the best homework response we've had i would say and i actually got a tweet about that um from someone let me just double check because i wanted to read this out um towards the end about the homework from Gordon Stitt 
at Around the Funnel. Not for me to judge the homework set this week, but I am going to. A big fat pass. The fans were amazing in capital letters. Pre, during and post-match, we got right behind the players who massively deserved it. And I think that has been echoed by everyone. Indeed. And I think on that note, we'll say goodbye. And um, we'll be back in a couple of months. End of July. Beginning of July. (laughs) Just June. I'll I'll tell you when, don't worry, dear. Thanks, darling. <laughs> See you next season. Yes, dear.